The second city in Chicago is an amazing place. You walk in and you immediately feel all that history there in the lobby with all those great drawings and black and white photographs of all the past reviews and cast members. Shots of young and up-and-coming performers, many of whom would do no less than change the face of comedy in our time. There's Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert singing a song, Amy Poehler in an almost unrecognizable Tina Fey in some slapstick pose, John Belushi and Harold Ramis in hats and face paint, John Candy, Gilda Radner, Bob Odenkirk, Chris Farley, Bill fucking Murray. For a young performer today, it would be hard to look at those walls and not want to be a part of it. Hard to look at that and not dream. My guest today is the wonderful, dynamic Rashawn Nadine Scott. Her picture is on that wall now, too. She's in the current main stage cast, now performing in the 104th review in the history of the place. She has made it to the bigs. And she's in that wonderful place of being both a part of the place's rich history and, with any luck, one of its stars of the future. Her stock is climbing fast. It's exciting to watch. And while, of course, there's no guarantee that she'll reach the heights of some of those others, there is something about her. Whether she's singing in the Hubbard Street and Second City dance and comedy musical The Art of Falling, or sitting in with the hosts of the morning talk show Windy City Live, or in both the main stage and Second City ETC casts, she's been in both. When Rashawn Nadine Scott walks on stage, you can just feel it. Something is going to happen. Things are going to get interesting. Someone has arrived. I'm Ron Lazaretti, and this is the Hog Butcher Radio Hour. So, you know how you know you've made it? How? Um, This is by my mother's criteria. Okay. You've been on Windy City Live (laughs) with Ryan Shiverini. Yeah. And what's the lady's name? Val? Val. I don't remember her last name. Val, but very sweet. They oh, my awesome. God. They seem like the nicest people on earth. They are. I've been on it twice. So really? your mom thinks I've doubled Yeah, yeah. Now, so, uh, now, I saw the one with your castmate. Um, Paul, Paul Jerowitz. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's talk about that one first. Okay. Because I always wonder about this. I saw TJ and Dave on that show as uh-huh. well. And they seemed, uh, they in particular on that show seemed like, visitors from another planet <laughs> well they do look like aliens those they, dudes, like tall skinny dudes with big heads it seemed like I, I was having a hard time imagining dave in that room like yeah. the vibe did not feel well um, dave like it was it was really cool i mean they they really warmed up that crowd you can tell the people who come and are in studio to watch that show watch it every single day yes and they're pumped mm-hmm. to they be really there. are and my mother truly i mean I know this sounds like mockery, but she truly, truly, like, absolutely loves that show and, and those people. She thinks... They're great. Yeah. It's like a good feel-good morning. Yeah. And I feel, I guess they they caught my vibe because they asked if I would come back. That's and- what I wanted to ask. So now you... The, so the first time you're on, it's you guys. You're there to promote the show, mm-hmm. I suppose. And um, and you do a segment from the show. Yeah, we do that. We have an improvised song that Paul and I do uh, to finish out the first act of the show. You know, my boyfriend broke up with me. Right. I'm so sad and alone. What's your name? You know, a little flirt, little thing. Right. We uh, create a song. So doing that, you know, 8 o'clock on a Saturday, you know, when the audience has had a couple of drinks, they're more likely and willing to be like, let me just talk to you. Right. But if it's 10.30 in the morning. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you. Does comedy work at 10.30 in the morning? I mean, for some, it does. But for me, I guess I can I can pull it together in the morning. But the man that I approached in the audience looked like his wife dragged him to it. Like he did not want <laughs> yeah, to be there right. anyway. Probably like, I'm already up before I need to be. And this girl's asking me all these questions. I think he lied to me. I don't think any of the information I got from him was true. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> Think anytime you're forced into audience participation, I think you can make it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that went, but it did seem like it, that piece went over well. Like the energy of that piece, if yeah. nothing else, was something that like could get them good and whipped up in the morning. Yeah, I think music is for me. Music is one of my strong suits. If I can, I can entertain you with the song. Right, like that's something that comes naturally to me. So it just builds energy. 
Right, right, exactly. So that was a good call as mm-hmm. opposed to just doing a sketch. Yeah, a sit down, quiet, two yes. person, let's talk about life that early in the morning, probably not as responsive. But if they're like, wow, this, this show's got some life to it, some sound, some big sound. We might as well right. pay pay attention. All right, so good thinking on that. And then um, <laughs> that was pretty much that segment, right? They talked uh-huh. to you a little bit, and then you did the number, and then yeah. it was probably done. So now how does the second appearance on Windy City Live happen? That one, uh, I got an email from one of the, the uh, marketing folks over at Second City and said, hey, Windy City Live wants you to come and uh, be one of their guest hosts for this panel. You're going to talk about the trending topics. And I was like... Sure. I mean, I don't have anything else to do <laughs> today. I could be on TV or I could not be on TV. So I chose, <laughs> hey, let's. So wait, did they call you with that much notice? Like the night before. The night before. The night before I got an email and said, sure, I'll do it. They set it all up. We came in and they remembered me from last time, you know, just be yourself, be comfortable. If you have a story, jump in. Don't feel like you have to just wait, you know, while Ryan speaks or while Val speaks. Just jump in if you just like it's a natural conversation. So and then they give me a stack of like all the trending topics and some like articles about everything. And it's like, yo, we're going to talk about Trump and 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 marriage and and relationships. And I was like, I have no kids. I am not voting for Trump. (laughs) I can talk. I mean, the words that I would use to describe him, I would do in the show. Probably not appropriate for 1030 in the morning. I don't know if your mom would think that I'm I've made it if I'm cursing that early. Probably not. So. I had to like turn on my like PG, fun, entertaining sort of vibe. And it was great. They really, I mean, I just jumped in. Ryan gave me a kiss. Like all the girls went crazy. It was oh, great. Oh, yeah. He's a big favorite. Yeah. They love him. Yeah. It was fun. It felt natural. I, they say he's even handsomer in person. He is a very pretty man. So that was just like an out of the blue yeah. thing. Now, it would seem to me you'd be great for something like that, like a morning show. or Man, a- my dad always said, hey, you need to get, like, a broadcast journalism degree so I could, like, take Oprah's space. That was always everyone's, like, they were so short. Rashawn, you're gonna you're in the next Oprah. I'm like, yeah, th- that sounds awesome. I would love that. But also, I don't want to do exactly what this woman did. Or, like, you know, when I first I know, moved to Chicago. but you're Oprah, but funnier. <laughs> Oprah, but you can sing. I mean... Oprah's terrific. She's a tremendous broadcaster mm-hmm. and actually a good actress yeah. as well. You you may have a couple other shoot. Man, th- keep telling people give Rashawn her own variety show. Like, oh man, like the Diana Ross had a, ver- a variety show back in the seventies and had like the Jackson Five and you know pre Bill Cosby and stuff on it, and it was hilarious. Pre Bill Cosby. I mean, no, he was still Bill Cosby. He was still then. <laughs> he just not the one we love, right? No, no, that, no. Yeah, well, yeah. But she had this great variety show with all these different people, and she's hilarious. She tell great jokes. They sing songs. Like I would love a variety show like that. Y- dope. Isn't there a variety show coming up with um, Maya Rudolph yeah, and she, Martin Short? She did one last year that, or two years ago, that was just Maya, just one night. So only. maybe they decided if they give it another ingredient, her mm-hmm. to somebody to play off of. But Martin Short, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's who's doing it. I would do that with Martin Short. He's hilarious. That's great. I but even like a morning kind of like redefine a morning show. I could, yeah. More entertainment than just interviewee stuff. Kind of. Yeah. I wouldn't do like the kind of the college bro thing that's going on on late night when it's like we're just playing beer pong. But if we want to slam some Bloody Marys, that's the kind of thing I would do. <laughs> I mean, I could do, I could lip sync on TV all day long and that would be fun. But I mean. Well, what, wait, what, what about the late night? scene is that is there anything there that interests you um and speaking as a woman because like you just said the kind of the what did you just call it they're like frat boy right is that what's happening across the board do you think i've seen a a lot i mean i love jimmy fallon i think he's very entertaining i think he's got that good energy he can talk to anybody it doesn't seem to flatline it but they're just playing like parlor games which is fun if that's the nature of the show but as the as history has told us what these late night shows are about it's it's more about connecting with people, but there are a lot of like filler things right. happening right now, right. which are fun and add for more fantasy and, and theatricality to TV because I think that's a lot of people's training now. Right. Coming out of the theater world, like I need to be as entertaining as possible instead of anybody can stand up and be like, I'm going to tell a joke, da-da-da-da-da-da, here's the punchline. Mm-hmm. But can you sell an entire thing? Are you an entertainer as a whole? I feel like there are parts of me that need to become stronger so that I feel like I'm a more well-rounded performer. But 
just like stage time alone, I've experienced a lot, so I feel very comfortable in front of people. Sure. Um, and the late night scene, not totally devoid of women right now. Yeah. It's, you have Samantha B. Mm-hmm. Have you watched that? I have watched a few segments because some, you know, in Chicago, we all know someone who's on one of these shows. Sure. Supporting them. And how do you how do you, how do you like what she's doing? I like it. I think that it's brassy, and it's it's not. Um, we don't have to like re- hold back and be more reserved. I think they're they can be as gritty and as dirty as the boys if they want to be, but also highbrow when it's necessary. I right. think it's a good introduction of more to come. Right. Um, well, let's talk about, uh, I was at your show last night. Oh, I tried to find you in the audience. I couldn't spot you. You know what? I was in, I was in, for me, kind of nervous territory because I was <laughs> the middle aisle coming off the stage. Okay. I was like the third or fourth row back and I was on the aisle and, and I'm, 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 I'm petrified of any audience participation <laughs> kind of things. But I'm also claustrophobic, so I couldn't go in the middle of the row either. Oh, you know, no. so I've, I have too many neuroses <laughs> okay. to really fully just relax and enjoy the show unless I'm back in the the back of the That's room. That's probably couldn't catch you because you like shut down everything. I did. I did. I, Your I, light I, was not. Shining. And there was a couple. Oh no, it was out. And there was a couple where they actually walked in looking for. There's the bit where they looking for the phone, which I want, I want to talk about that <laughs> later. But they were looking for a phone. And I was, you know, <laughs> you're just that feeling of please don't call me, please don't call me. Um, but. Uh, no, was last night a typical? Uh, I would say it was a. The show was a rousing success. Yeah, we. I thought the audience last night was was pretty hot. Yeah, right. I mean, that first scene kind of gauges. I can tell when an audience is like, they're not on board. We're saying some kind of out of pocket, tongue in cheek, like ta- a little pretty liberal right show that you're seeing, and. Uh, but last night's audience was really good, and I'm feeling – I just got back from vacation, so I'm, like, second wind. I'm ready to go. Like, tomorrow marks – the show's been open for six months. Oh, is that right? So, yeah. We're, well, and how often does Second City now change the review? It's about uh, eight or nine months. Okay. We started this process in uh, August – we had one rehearsal, and then the fire happened the next day, and that kind of delayed us for a while. And then we rehearsed for three months. We opened in December, and we've been running ever since. So tell me, let's just, how does that process work? So let, for you, it was your first main stage show, correct? Mm-hmm. So you, when did you join the cast? When the old review was still, the previous review was still going, correct? Yeah, so I had left ETC, so I left Soul Brother, in, I want to say July. Yeah, July, because it was coming up on August. So I, I How had, long had you been in that? Soul Brother opened April. And was that, the, how many reviews did you do on ETC? That that was the one. Okay. And so I was pulled out of my first review to do the next main stage review. Right. So you're, I, we'll get into the details of all this, but it just <laughs> dawns on me, there's like this tremendous kind of, before that, you were doing The Art of Falling at Hubbard, mm-hmm. Hubbard Street, which yeah. was a collaboration between Second City and Hubbard Street. Mm-hmm. And before that... I was understanding for the touring company. And before that, I did the Up show. Um, oh, my gosh. Deep Cuts. Anthony LeBlanc directed that one. And there were some fellow um, Bob Curry fellowship people in that show. And before that show, I did Bob Curry. What's Bob Curry? Bob Curry was the um, the Bob Curry Fellowship is an eight week master class that Second City offers for diverse actors and people of color, and so it's run through uh, Deanna Griffith Irons and uh, Matt Hovde put together this program for us. And originally, I wasn't even on the list to sign up for it because I knew it was happening, but my headshot, my resume looked like shit, and I just didn't want to come in there looking unprofessional. And I just finished interning at IO, and I got floated on for a Herald team, so I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit around and wait for them to tell me I could be on this team where, you know, there's a lot of more things that come with it instead of just like I'm on a team. Right. And I also felt like I think the Herald team itself is a good fun form to have and it's like the foundation of what io is but it's also just like statistically not everybody can make on these teams and people are like if i don't get on a herald team i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself and i'm thinking like all right well i got the training that i came here for 
So now I can use that tool to apply it to something else. If I want to audition for a straight up musical, when's the last time I did a, just a straight play that's not comedy or drama? I mean, just do drama. You can add those skills into it instead of like, if I, I can't keep going on unless I'm on this team where everyone's wearing flannel. <laughs> and I'm from the Northwest. Everybody wears flannel every day. It's not something new and exciting. But I just come from that, and I thought, oh, I'll go to Second City because they have an internship program. It should work the same. Right. I intern, I take the classes for free. And then it didn't technically work like that, but Deanna sat me down and looked through my resume and said, hey, why aren't you auditioning for Bob Curry? You're more than qualified for this. I was like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't want to look unprofessional. I didn't have all my shit together. So she's like, all right, well, I'm going to put you on the wait list, and if someone drops out, I'll call you, and you're in. But there's no guarantees. I was like, cool, I'll take that. She took all my stuff. Went home. I got a call that night. Someone dropped out. You're in. Wow. And I already had a monologue prepared. What year is this? This was, oh gosh, Bob Curry. Oh, I think this was like a year and a half ago. See, so, I've been here. I'll be four years. I've been in Chicago this coming January. So and what were you doing prior to all that in Chicago? Um, I moved to Chicago for improv so okay. when i lived back home in washington i moved back in with my parents and i was working at like macy's and old navy and just trying to like get money together so i could move out here and i had done some regional theater around there but this is like you know when you get 200 bucks for a run of a show that runs maybe two weekends but you rehearse every day for like two months right and I was living with my cousin in Renton, which is just south of Seattle. So I'd, can, I'd get up for a job at like a customer service job where I was working 6.30 a.m. to 2.30 in the afternoon. I'd sleep in my car for two hours so that I could drive to rehearsal, do the rehearsal from like 5 to 11, and then drop people off. And they'd give me money for gas. And then I'd drive back home, sleep for another four hours, get up, go to work, sleep for my it was a crazy schedule, but I knew, I was like, this is how I'm going to earn all this money so I can be here. And my cousin was pregnant at the time, and I didn't want to leave her, so I delayed my arrival so I could be there when she had the baby and I could help her out. She let me sleep on her couch for free. There was a t I fell asleep at the wheel because I was so exhausted from doing this for a show, for hairspray. And I was in the chorus. It was some bullshit. <laughs> it wasn't even a main part. And I <laughs> had to, like, curb myself, like, all right, it's not about me. I'm just doing this as a means to an end. So I like got all that stuff together, and I had been working with Jonathan Pitts in college, and he called me and said, hey, come to the city. I got a job for you. And that was easier to tell my parents, like, I have a job. Right. And I, I'm working towards something. I was working with kids who did the same thing I did, so I was doing the administrative side, working for Chicago Improv Productions. Sorry if I'm, I've, if I'm just, I'm random. No, 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 because this, this is, is what I'm, uh, this is kind of what I'm getting at, because you seem like you've been very single-minded mm -hmm. about what you want to do. There was, I read a quote in an article, oh yeah, it was when you were named last year one of the hot new faces of yeah. Chicago theater. Mm -hmm. You said, I made a plan, and then a few months later, here I was with four duffel bags. Yeah. So you... It make, just made me think you have had a very kind of focused, this is what you're doing kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it seems to me that since you hit town, it's been pretty high speed. Yeah. I mean, you've. It's. did you know you'd be where you're at? Absolutely, no. In this amount of time? It seems like a lot of things happen quickly. I mean, I saw you in The Art of Falling with the Hubbard Street and mm -hmm. Second City, that, that, which was terrific, which was another thing that kind of mystified me. I saw Andrew Alexander even at the, at, one, at the show I was at during intermission, and I said, are you really only doing this for like one weekend? Or what, what was it, two weekends? It was one, four days. Yeah, are you really only doing this for four days? And he was like, yeah, we didn't, you know, he goes... We didn't know, you know. He said it was an experiment. Uh, I said, honestly well, didn't even know what I was signing up for. Right. I thought it was going to be performed at on the main stage, and they're like, "No, you idiot! It's going to be at the Hubbard Theater. It's going to be downtown, girl." I mean, it was an amazing dancers. show. Really was. Uh, there was uh, that combination of how would you describe this show for people who didn't see it? I would say it is. I mean, it's a musical. Yeah, it's musical theater. 
and and the 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 way the dance and the comedy all just blended so well together. It never felt like oh this thing seems out of place. I at totally all. agree. It and just I, rippled all the way through. I will confess to being a little bit of an idiot in the sense that I have a hard time sitting still for just dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was beautiful in this, and the whole package was great. And even he just you know Andrew seemed kind of I know I don't I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> this thing happened. We birthed a beautiful baby here. We weren't expecting this. Before I got there, because I was doing that show in the up, I wasn't there for the beginning of rehearsal. So Chris Red came in sure. and improvised and wrote comedian my and improviser Chris Red. You know, he was there last night at the show. Yeah, I didn't was. get a chance to talk to him, but I saw him. You know, he's bopping around. He'll yeah. be somewhere. So he was there improvising with Tim Mason and writing this piece, and then. Uh, when I came in, a little story about Tim Mason, I found this out after the fact, because I'd just done Bob Curry, so nobody knew who I was, just some right. some girl who did this program, and she I guess she did all right. And Billy Bungaroth saw that and pulled me into Art of Falling. And I heard later that Tim was like, who's this girl? Why, why she's she just did this thing? Like, wh- what is she about? We don't know anything about her. And then when I showed up to this first rehearsal and they were explaining to me what all this character is, I was like, okay, how old is this woman? Where does she live? What mm-hmm. does she eat? What does she, what's her body like? I was like getting into right. real actor mode. Like I'm about my shit. Like I'm going to learn <laughs> what this character is and we can develop it together. And we're improvising and I, they, Rashawn, what do you think about this line? I didn't give my opinion and it was either accepted or, or not, but it felt very collaborative. I'd never worked in an environment like that. Oh, I think he was... Thrilled to make your acquaintance, really. <laughs> I mean, but that's what I mean. It's you're, you have a. This isn't fair exactly, but you have a kind of come out of nowhere quality about mm-hmm. you. Like, wh- where's she from? <laughs> when did she get here? And it seems like, like how did how did that time out between etc Hubbard Street and Main Stage? Okay, so I was in December of two thousand. Fifteen. So this last, not this last. Okay. So it was December two thousand fourteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. I was in DC <clears throat> on touring with Second City. It was a patch co. Chris Red and I were in this patch in DC like every weekend, and we knew that the ETC stage was about to change because when the stages change, that's when everybody's like a Twitter. Mm. You, they've got their theories. Of, this is who I think it's going to be. How do you know that? I don't know. I just heard it. I'm like, well, you're not a producer. You don't know anything. We'll just all be blind. So I was, I was under the assumption that I would get into a touring company because I'd been understudying and I'd been doing fairly well. And Art of Falling happened November of like two months ago. So as soon as I finished Art of Falling... I had a patch where I was just an understudy again. So I like went from being on a real high to even just still a high. I have a job. So I had to like, I was just there. And so I got a call from Allison uh, Riley, the producer, who was like, hey, I want you to come into the office. I want to talk to you. And I presumed I was going to get a touring company because that's the natural progression. I hadn't taken any formal classes at Second City. I hadn't been touring for that long, maybe like, three months yeah maybe less than that but just doing as many patches and as anything that they asked me to do i said yes because jane lynch told me to do that because i met her at second cities they did this opera gala a couple months prior and i asked her i was like hey what should i do second she said say yes to everything yeah if they ask you if you can roller skate sure can you ride a horse yeah can you sing hell yeah i can do i can do whatever you need me to do so I got a call from her, said to come into her office. I came in, and I sat down, and Anthony LeBlanc is sitting across from me, and she's sitting at her desk. And she goes, you know, Rashawn, um, Anthony is going to direct the next ETC show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> Allison, do not play with my – did you just come in here to tell me about this man's new opportunity? That is bullshit. I am freaking out right now. So – and she's like, and we'd like to extend an offer to you to be in the stage. And I just started bawling, crying, like, why? Why are you picking me? Of all the people, there's so many people who probably deserve this. And I'm like, no, you've proven yourself. You do the work. We want to work with you. We see potential in you. And then from then on, I was a second sitting, I was a company girl. And like, that's a that's pretty quick turnaround on yeah. that stuff. I mean, 
and I had no idea how Second City in the the process of creating the show. So I, the show was still called Apes of Wrath. So we I would learn another actress's track in that show. And then when we started rehearsing, we'd bring in new material into the rehearsal. If it was well, we'd put it in the third act set. If it worked in the third act set, something else from the old show would take come out and we'd replace it with that. So you're constantly writing new material while still retaining the old show and adjusting jokes. We're like, all right, this scene that is now in the top of act one, it's not gonna be in the middle of act two, and we're changing the third beat to this thing. Make sure, and make sure you don't run into anybody else in the dark. Right. First day of rehearsal, me and Eddie Mujica like smashed foreheads together because the <laughs> the stage is a death trap. It's got all these levels. It's dark. The glow tape hasn't been charged as high as it could be. It's dangerous. This is the ETC stage. ETC stage. So that was, oh, I had an amazing time with that cast. They're awesome. Everybody, Tim, Carissa, Scott, Lisa, Alex Kleiner, uh, Kyle Anderson, our, our, our stage manager, and Tiffany, our assistant director, and Anthony. I mean, we, it was really, we went through the muck. You know, we united as a cast because we had to. You know, they were, weren't sure if this show was going to open on time. It kept getting pushed back. We, even just selecting the title was just like a big deal. But then being forced to like write new material every day for something like I'm just an improviser and an actor. I hadn't been forced, I'd been written like 10 minute plays in college about like all these characters are inside a refrigerator and they come to life and <laughs> that's probably as deep as I got. Did you ever feel like you were out of your depth doing this stuff? There are times, yeah, you do it for so long. And if you go out in front of an audience and you're so sure that something is going to hit and then it flatlines, that's a bruise to your ego. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, am I not funny? Does this audience not like me? This audience is so different from anyone else that I've worked with or, or performed in front of because I've, I've had a lot of different audiences. You know, in the Pacific Northwest in college, it's all a bunch of white kids who we have the same reference level because we're all from this state, but then you move to an entirely new demographic of Chicago is not Tacoma, Washington, which is 200,000 people. There are 3 million people who live here. And there's so many different pockets of neighborhoods and people, socioeconomic backgrounds who come to see this show. So I saw the audience change as time went along. Because Lisa and I would do a, a scene where we're two old black men talking about injustices in the world, which scared a lot of people. You can see as soon as we step out, before we say anything, they're like, butt cheeks, clinch up. Like, oh my God, they're gonna say what everybody's already thinking, already. And that was, would there be nights where like, man, they are not feeling this, let's say these lines fast and get <laughs> off the stage. I will, I do not want, no, there will be no pitchforks and torches and any of that shit tonight. Like, we gotta get it done. But then I was allowed to be a goofy person, which I am, I, that come out of nowhere sort of thing. Like, I can, I can give you a taste of everything, but I, was, I really felt like I could play, and that cast was really theatrical and expressive. It was fun. And I guess you go out there every night, and at some point you become a little bit inoculated to the whole, whether this f- succeeds or fails, or mm-hmm. don't they like me? I mean, I would imagine on balance they like you enough that you don't worry about that on the nights that they don't. Yeah, it was like I know that I'm doing I know that I'm funny. And right. I don't need their I don't need them to justify that to me. But there are nights when you're like, man, I know this audience. You can your other castmates are like every line crush kill city. Even if they're low energy or maybe they're having an off day or something but they're still crushing and then you're like da 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 crickets like all right well fuck me this show's not about me today but it's all right i'm trying to make everyone else look good what if anything is the difference between in your mind second city main stage and second city etc is there a difference no literally it's just the schedule they work just as hard i mean do do you it felt to me like in its uh, original inception that etc was in a sense, going to be a different kind of show. It's I've heard the ETC stands for Experimental Theater Company. Right. And I would argue that ETC shows are far more fantastical. But I think it in recent directors, the ETC has been like larger than life. But it also feels like ETC is for people who live in the city. We're going to relate to a little bit better as opposed to the main stage is like 
Come on, Carol. We're going down to the second. We're visited Chicago, so we're going to go see the second scene. Yeah, well, that I guess that makes sense. I, I I always wonder that about, you know, how do you gate? Are your audiences different every night in, on the main stage because one night it's tourists, another night it's a convention that's in town, another night it's yeah, it does vary. Like and I you, wonder politically too how that because mm-hmm. some of the things that you guys did in the most recent show that you're the, in the show that you're doing right now is it's just pointed. I mean, <laughs> there's it's just kind of it doesn't mince words about which side it's on. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, and given that, oh, I often wonder. Like I was kind of looking around the room to see anybody flinching on this stuff, you know. Well, there are times. I mean, that bit that Daniel and I do were with the elderly folks from the future. Mm-hmm. Every well, I used to keep a track of like the different suggestions that we would get, different music, different technology, especially the the news topic. And it used to be we'd have to phrase the question differently because we get Trump every single time. Sure. No matter what, Trump. God. Trump, Trump. We know the Trump jokes. Already, we're like sure. so melded together. But now it was a joke. It was like a joke. Ha ha! This Donald Trump guy is going to be the president. And now it's becoming more of reality. And it's like there's no jokes to be made. We're fucked. Is I think exactly what I said. There's no what. Uh, what can I possibly say? Right. Does anybody? Do you ever get pushback from the audience on oh, that stuff? Oh yeah. Like in what form? Booze. Uh, been. I can well. We can see people. People don't think that the audience. They they think that they're watching TV, and we don't see. I can. There was a one woman. She would sit in front and cross her arms, and every time she heard something she didn't like, she went, "Ugh," and like scrunched up her face and looked next to the woman to the woman next to her for like, "Don't you agree?" And I just laughed. <laughs> just sit forward, just like, "Hey, man, it's too late. You could get up and leave if you really want to, but man, that that fifty dollar ticket that's that's money." If you got the money to be offended and then just leave, I have more power to you. And I mean, some of the stuff, you know, I have in, I speak about race and the current climate of how, you know, black people and and police brutality and all that, because <clears throat> one, I felt I would be doing a disservice to the building and the archive, which has limited and few before, far between of material that is only able to be done by women or people of color. It's a very finite. There's a lot of scene. There are a lot of men, just because that's how it's been built. So I was like, you know, I really I want to do something that in the future, whoever does Bob Curry in the future, they're gonna do a Rashawn scene because it can only be done because you're a black and you're a woman and you're hilarious. Right. And you can act and you know you can see you can do it all. Um. <clears throat> so. Did that, and then, you know, all the things, Laquan McDonald, the footage came out, and I had written that scene, and then I had to address it immediately. They, like, added in. Uh, Lisa Beasley told me, like, comedy plus tragedy equal. I mean, time plus tragedy equals humor. And I didn't get the time to heal or figure out how I my felt about it myself because I'm speaking for everyone because this audience probably is not around too many people of color black people so whatever i say they're going to take back to whoever that person is in their life and say i believe it's okay to talk to you this way because i saw that one black girl on the stage and she said x y and z do you feel the same so that's a lot of pressure on one person because i have to mind my mouth at times like even though i do go off on donald trump because everybody is I still have to be mindful of, like, I can't make my... Uh, there's a level of decorum that I try to keep because I don't want things to be reflected negatively on people who will come after me. Be honest now. Mm-hmm. How much of a grind is it to do that show? It's a, a grind? <sighs> I mean... How many shows a week? Eight. So the only night off is Monday. Mondays. So, I mean, when process is happening, because we'll have rehearsal from, what, like, three to six calls at 7.30, you do the show, you first act, second act, third act, get some notes, go home, sleep, get up, write something new, bring it in, start over. So you're just like, Jesus. That's for months. That's from three months. Wow. <laughs> and then before that, a fire happened. And, right. you know, and I've had strep throat twice this year and, you know, illness rolls around or, you know, people come and go, you know, personal emergencies and stuff. So it's like, 
when will this thing open? When will when will we know? I just tell me exactly what words you want me to say, and I will say them, and I'll do everything. I will mug. I will I will snort. I'll do everything everything in my bag of tricks to make this thing work. If we could stop rehearsal. So when you get through with the process, then the director's gone. Our stage manager and our music director kind of run the show, and just show up for work. Come in, clock in. And that's not, that doesn't kill you? Well, I mean, that's a lot of show. Mm -hmm. A lot of, eight shows a week. Eight shows over seven days, as opposed to ETC, where it's like six shows over four days. That schedule's amazing. Mm -hmm. Monday through Wednesday, you're free as a bird. Come in Thursday. You just came from the beach, you feel great. You get people to laugh at you, you feel even better. You get a glass of wine, you do the set. You get people to laugh at you again, it feels awesome. But if you've already been doing that for like five days, you're like, man, it's Saturday night at the 11 o'clock show. We have a a group of 40 bros on a bachelor party. And they're like, yeah, look at her butt. Oh, my God. Trump. Dildo. (laughs) Tinder. I'm like, oh, my God. Bill Cosby. I said, he's a rapist. And I move on. So (laughs) they can't be a grind. But then there are other nights where, you know, we're all on fire. Well, great. It's a great job to have. I would never say, like, I wish I never had it because you don't know it until you're in it, that it's so fun. It seemed last night like everybody was having fun. How much acting is that? No, 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 no. It seemed really playful last night. night. Last night was a good show. Great show. I was, like, concerned. I was like, oh, shit, he's going to come. And the show's going to bomb. You're like, you know, what's it like being a terrible actress? Like, everybody, all these reviews and I had stuff. a separate set of questions <laughs> in that Always case of that. Um, no, it, yeah, it was, you guys, you guys really seemed to be in it last night. Um, I was going to say, what is your long game? You know? Ooh. <laughs> what, what is your... I mean, first of all, I know nobody – it's a tremendous opportunity. Nobody ever got rich being in a Second City main stage yeah. cast, I don't think. So you, I'm assuming you do other things. You make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, now's the grind of, like, <clears throat> I'm an a- a agent and a manager, and they send me out on stuff, auditions, pilot. I did my first pilot season this last year, so that's, like, daunting, too, because – you see everybody you everybody in the community is like, oh, you're going out for this thing too? I'm like, we look nothing alike. or right. it's, it's a crapshoot. It's a big net they're throwing out on that stuff sometimes. And they're like, you know, she's not in L.A. or is she, is she in the union? How tall is she? Does she look good next to this guy? It's a, like a whole math equation that they're trying to put together. Yeah, you can't think about that. Yeah, so I was just like, man, I'm just going to walk in. Have a good time. Well, I did a movie last night. I did a Joe Swanberg movie. That was awesome because literally the audition was like, just come and tell a story. Don't memorize any lines. And I said, perfect. I got it. Tell a story about how I had to move out of my apartment because my landlord was an ass, which is just everyday life. And I love that. I was like, cool. This is low stress. I can totally do this. But when it's like scripted, sure, do this exact thing. But we don't know what the tempo of the scene is. You don't know who your scene partner is. You're reading off of this person who's read 50 of these today and they're over it. But you try to bring that you sure. know, energy into it and being in front of the camera who's so close to your face and sees every pore in line. If you've plucked your eyebrows or not, if you look like I have Jack Nicholson eyebrows, like they grow like the Joker when they like curled one way, look like a wolf. <laughs> my dad's barber. When I first cut all my hair off, he goes, "I'll only do it if I can get those eyebrows because you look like a wolf." Who says that to a 15-year-old girl? That's you look terrible. like a wolf. He's so lucky that I had high self-esteem and it was <laughs> funny because I freaking I mean, so yeah, so manager and agent like. The All long that. goal is to do that. I auditioned for SNL last year, last summer. What was that like? That was crazy. Tell us how that goes. That, so the, produ- the producers come through Second City in the summer and see all the theaters, and they have showcases and stuff, and a handful of us get selected and to fl- fly out, and it create you know, five minutes of material. What kind of material? S- solo characters, um, impressions, songs. I try to... Um, I mostly focused on characters and, like, singing. A character who could, like, imitate other singers. And uh, because ETC was my first, like, sketch show, truly, that I had contributed to, it was like, all right, now you have to come up with five characters. 
in the short amount of time and be hilarious for the show that you've been watching since you're a kid and anybody you know who's ever been hilarious has been on this show. Your life could change in five minutes. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. And I had already been told I was going to do, I was cast in the main stage show. So it was like, either way, I'm going to have a great job. I thought, you know, I'm, I didn't even tell my parents until the night before because I, they would freak out and make me nervous. Like I was in my hotel room going over my material and I'd done it a million times. Like, it's not going to get any better than this because there's no one to respond to right now. So I'm going to go shopping because that'll make me calm down and feel better. And I call my mom and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm in New York. I'm, I'm auditioning for SNL tomorrow. She was like, what? How come you didn't tell anybody? I was like, because of this right here. <laughs> This energy, I know it's positive and I know it's supportive, but it's also like making my heart beat a thousand. Because she'll be asked, what are you wearing? Uh, what's your face going to look like? What are your jokes? Uh, I was like, mom, over the phone is really not how my yeah. my comedy works. So I can't really explain it all to you. But they bring us in the next day in a holding room. I think it was in Keenan's dressing room. Just like sitting there waiting for them to call us in. You walk down this long hallway. It smells like an old barn, like an old theater, like a high school theater that's had paint over the same flats. Over and over. It just stunk of paint, and it felt familiar. You go in. The guy gives me my cane and my hat for my bits. I set up on the chair, and you see a panel of people to the to your left, and they're all like faces are in the dark, and you see Lorne Michaels, who's not looking at you. He's looking at the monitor to see how well you look on TV. Sure. And then there's that big. So you're getting the full treatment on yeah, this. Yeah, the whole thing. And that you, that cr- that crane shot you see of it like uh, going over the clock, and you see the the boom and stuff. And I didn't realize the boom was so close to me that when I moved, it moved and it startled me. <laughs> and I I hope that didn't like deter them. Like she's scared. She's she scared of cameras. <laughs> <laughs> she can't do this. So it all happened so fast that like. It was over, and I was like, Did you do an impression? Yeah, I did. What did I do? I did, um, I had this scalper character who, like, uh, scalped tickets for artist shows. So I did, like, an Adele impersonation. You know, um, what did I do? I like a Tina Turner, like, the range of different vocal styles I was trying to, like. So you were singing, you you folded your singing into your impersonation. Yeah, because it's like, I could sing you a regular song to show that I can sing, but they probably want more of, like, how can you apply this to comedy? Now, are there other, how many other people are auditioning? Do you know? Do you get to see how many other people are hanging out to audition? I didn't, we saw each other after we, we were in separate rooms, but then as people were finished, we'd all, like, congregate in one room. There were three folks from Chicago, four, five, three from Second City, and then most of them from, were from I.O., so I think we had at least six Chicago folks there. I was the only black woman. I presumed I would be, but there were more women than I expected. There were four of us, but the rest were men in a ranging of size and color mm-hmm. and things like that. And I felt like I did the best that I could do for first time out. And as I, you said, like, they keep throwing me into things. Once I get comfortable, that's when they yank me out and put me in something new. Like, let's see if Sean can do this. Right. How many plates can she juggle? Can she juggle? So then what happens? How do you find out? Or do they ever call you and go, not this time, <laughs> sorry, we'll keep you in mind? Or- so they f- we fly back home and then, like, maybe, like, a week or so later – my agent, my manager, will send me an email that just says SNL. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It says SNL. No word yet, kid. <laughs> it's like, why, why did you send this email? How about put, make the subject no word yet <laughs> yes. on SNL? <laughs> Don't yeah. make it. The, oh, my God. It was stressful. And then um, through the great – how did I find out? I think I saw, like, a side splitter release, like, this new guy is going to be pulled in. And so we were like, all right. So you just, nobody's telling you, you just know you didn't get the positive yeah. call. So how soul-crushing is that? It wasn't, I don't feel like it was soul-crushing because I was like, shit, you just auditioned for SNL. So right, so you saw the positive in it that you uh, are at that point. Yeah, I was like, how many people get, I mean, there's a finite amount of people who get to be on the show. Right. And last for as long as I did. Are you going to be Eddie Murphy right now? Maybe. Maybe not right now, but maybe it's t- your time is coming, you know. But, uh, yeah, I was just like, well, I did it. 
Most people don't even get the opportunity to do it. Is this something I thought I'd be doing, you know, three months ago? No. I just opened this show and I was so excited to do that, that I have this fun job. And now I get to, I'm flown out to New York to do this. Yeah. And when I come back, I already, I have the next best job I could get. It was on the main stage. It was like. Yeah. I mean, when you're at Second City and you look around at the pictures on the wall and all that, that sense of history and you realize that you're now a part of that. Yeah. When your picture's on the wall. How gratifying is that? It's insane. Well, it didn't really like sink into me, honestly, until my folks came and saw the show. Because they hadn't seen me really do any improv in college. They've seen plays and stuff, but just like, this is my career. When they were like, you, I have health insurance. Like, oh my God, go for it. Say whatever you need to say. Do it all. And I, would t- I mean, I'd be like, you know, you should come out and see the show, The Art of Falling. It's going to be amazing. They're like, all right, well, maybe. And then it was what it was, and, you know, a fine amount of people saw that, and they're just like, oh, my God, we saw that, and your daughter was amazing, and they have no idea. I showed them a video of it, but it's like a camera that's far away because we had no idea what the show was going to be. Sure. So I fly. My parents come out for the opening of ETC, and my cousin Tatiana comes as well because she's the one I stayed with, and she's, like, basically my sister cousin. We've been together, and she knows me very well. They came and saw, and just walking into a room and people know who their daughter is, that's enough for them to be like, wow. You know, people sign the walls of Second City, like, oh, we have guests who come, and I was like, hey, Dad, this is, you know, Steve Carell's, Colbert, Tina Fey, you know, all these people. Uh, and then, you know, he meets everybody in the cast, and I was like, we're going to see the show tomorrow. We're walking out, and he goes, Rashawn, uh, I signed my name on the wall. It's like, oh my God, I haven't even gotten on the wall yet. And you're just, it's like, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Nobody's going to be able to tell. <laughs> Stinker. That's what he is. I mean, they must be very, and, and at the same time, are they the kind of parents that want to know what your fallback plan is? Um, we haven't openly discussed it, but this is, I've been, I've been doing entertainment for as long as we can remember. So, like, this every, is gonna, so the assumption is my... one way or another, this will be your your life. And I do I do have that in me. Of, before I even got hired with Second City, I was like, man, I'm going to give myself like maybe four or six more months of like doing these like bar prov or these independent teams until I can make some money. Or if not, I'm going to go work for Costco. Really? Yeah, I was like, I got to make some money so I can be sustainable. And there are things that I, I want. I have this level of quality of life that I want to have that I wasn't able to have at the moment because I was living in a house with, like, five dudes in Wrigleyville. <laughs> I, s- sleeping under the stairs with my four duffel bags and a dream. You know what I mean? So there was only a, a finite amount of time I was going to allow myself to do that. Right. But And I also have, like, administrative and, like, behind the scenes, you know, work experience. I What are you giving yourself now as far as like, what is your, what do you, do you have a timetable? Do you have a, if this happens by then, if that happens by then? It's, I mean, it's kind of hard to do that, that with an intangible job, like Second City, you know, mm-hmm. from, you know, most people don't do reviews for three years like they used to do in the, back in the day, you know, do five. Right. And that's enough. I mean, I see myself, I see myself doing another review you know, stacking my th- my money together. But then everyone's like, oh, when are you going to move to L.A.? I'm not moving to L.A. unless I get a gig. I don't want to start over again. I don't want to sell ice cream at Cold Stone. I don't want to sell box office tickets. I don't want to be a waitress again. I feel like I've had a million grown-up jobs as a young woman, and I've done I've done my part to serve the community as far as customer service is considered. And I've done the, the temp agency where I go through and I clear things out and I just sit behind a desk and I've done that. I'm ready to work. Hear that, people? I am ready to work. <laughs> Normally, before we close things out on the Hog Butcher Radio Hour, we like to do a little comedy piece and then a song. Today it's a twofer. This week's song, Before We Go, comes directly from Monkey's Crevice, West Virginia, home of bluegrass comedy gods Willie B. Famous, Darren Tooby Famous, and Ricky Famous Famous, the Famous Brothers, from their first record, Inbred Talent. This is Purgatory. 
I'm Ron Lazaretti, and thanks for listening. will burn in damnation false preachers popes and prophets will roast there in hell but I was not as bad so I'll be someplace better in the mild discomfort forever to dwell well, I'm a Lies been filled with lusting, this mishap and crime. It won't be any picnic, but we'll do quite nicely in that place between heaven and hell for all time. Shoot.